Hallelujah. Glory. Well, I'm glad you're here tonight. How about a little bit of word? Amen. I want to share some things with you. Look with me. Uh, to start off with, I want to go to Job chapter 23. The book of Job chapter 23. Let me ask a question. Anybody here, have you ever felt like you were in a, in a desert or a wilderness? Anybody, anybody knows what a dry spell is? Has anybody been through a dry spell? Has anybody ever wondered what is going on? Is anybody right now wondering what is going on? I want to share something with you here in Job chapter 23 as we start this tonight. Job chapter 23, verse 8. Look, I go forward, but he is not, he is not there. Capital H for God. Go backward, but I cannot sense him. I cannot feel him. I cannot perceive him. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. And when he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him. But he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. My feet has held fast in his steps, and I have kept his way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips, that I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. You see, you've got to get to that level. But he is unique. <laughs> and who can make him change? You're never going to. And whatever his soul desires, that he does. For he performs that what is appointed for me, and many such things are with him. Therefore, I am terrified, or as we're going to see tonight, I stand in awe at his presence. When I consider this, I am afraid of him. For God made my heart weak, and the Almighty terrifies me. Because I was not cut off from the presence of darkness. And he did not hide deep darkness from my face. How many can identify with that? But I want you to see this part where it says, I looked forward, but he was not there. Lord, I'm, 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 I'm doing everything I know him to do. I'm, I'm trying. I'm putting my heart into it. I'm going to church. I'm working. I'm, I'm, I'm giving. I'm fasting. I'm doing everything. But, but, but I just, you're not there. And I go backward. Go backwards. He's not there. He works on the left hand. Look at this. The background. I cannot perceive him. He works on the left hand. How many of you know the Word of God talks a lot about the right hand of God? The right hand of God speaks of His power. But the left hand of God speaks of Him teaching. The teacher in God. The teacher of a father. The left hand speaks of the teacher of a father. And you know, we want to always be seeing the power of God manifested. But how many know sometimes before things are manifested, because the right hand represents His power, sometimes we don't see, sometimes you don't see things on the left side like you do on the right side. You see things coming on the right side faster than you do on the left side. And it's, that's what Job is saying here. I don't see what God is doing. I don't see how it's going to work out. I don't, I don't see how to find my way. But His left hand is teaching me. And making me hungry. And I know though I don't see it, I know I'm going to do what God has called me to do. But He's, when I, and when I come through, I'm going to be found to be tested and clean like gold. 
But it says here that I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I've treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. He is unique. He cannot change. You see, there's something that we can never make God do is change. Because he's, on, he's all powerful. But there's something that happens in the presence of God if He wants to make us change. And many times we're wondering, why don't I sense His presence? Why am I going through a valley? Why am I going through a dry spell? It's because that left hand of God, He's teaching us how to grow. He's maturing us and He's bringing us to a point where He can mold us and make us. And when we come out of this time of trial and fire, we'll come out like pure gold. And isn't that what we want? But it's not always easy to accept, is it? And I want you to look with me in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Because I want to talk about the importance of the wilderness. Deuteronomy chapter 8. We don't un- always understand what's going on. But listen, if we trust God, we don't have to. God, why haven't you sold my thing yet? He says... I don't have to. And this is what Job is saying. And we're going to get to some other scriptures. We've got to remember this. And this is hard for us as human beings and children to, to understand. But, but we're going to see this in another scripture. God never has to explain Himself. But we want God to explain Himself. And we want things to explain. And He says, I'm all wisdom and all, I'm almighty. You'll never make me explain myself. Because I want you so dependent and hungry and searching for me. I don't have to explain myself. You just do it. Moses, just raise your rod. Elijah, just go to the widow and I'll have her provide for you. I don't have to explain myself. And see, that's the area. You know, we want God to just explain everything to us. Why am I going through this? And you know, there's been areas in our lives that we have gone through things. And we still today don't know why we went through that. Because we can't see the fruit and the development of the character that came through that. We don't see it. We may not see it till, till heaven. But even though, listen, even though we don't see it, it doesn't mean we don't live it. We're living something we might not have seen and grasped that we've been taught by the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus, I'm going to be talking a little bit about the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. You know, he was attacked the same way Adam was. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. He was attacked in all those major areas, but he did not yield. And we come to this point, and we come to the end of ourselves. And that's what makes it hard for people who try to figure it out in their minds. That's what makes it so hard to, to, to accept things by faith. For example, if you're watching the news, and, and, and listen to this, if you're watching the news, they're making fun of Sarah, her pastor, Governor Sarah, her pastor, they're making fun of this preacher, they're making fun of that preacher, they're making fun of the gospel, and, and, and people keep trying to explain it. You cannot explain it enough for them to understand it's foolishness to man. The wisdom of God is foolishness to man. And they, they, they try to explain everything like, you know, explain tongues, explain. They talk to the pastor in Alaska, they say, explain how Alaska is going to be a refuge. You mean all of America is going to have to go to Alaska? They end up making it sound so foolish because to them it sounds foolish. But the foolishness of man is the wisdom of God. And so it says, you'll never make God change. You'll never change God. But God will change you. 
And through these wilderness and these hard times is when he starts developing something in us that it doesn't become second nature. It becomes first nature. It becomes character. It becomes maturity. And I want you to see, that is what God wanted to do in the children of Israel. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. Well, it says in verse 1, every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful, careful, be careful now to observe that you may live and multiply. Go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. You shall remember the Lord your God led you by the way these 40 years. He led you. He led you. Jesus, being led by the Holy Spirit, went into the wilderness, fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. I'm going to share this with you in a minute, but you go ahead and write it down. Sometimes you're going in the wilderness because you're led by God to go into that wilderness. You're led. When you're led into the wilderness, it means you, that is the place where you are learning to deny yourself and deny what you want and let God's desire to be first. And he says, be careful to observe everything that I'm telling you here. And he says, and you shall remember that the Lord your God led you by a way these 40 years, 40 years in the, uh, in the wilderness for what? To humble you and to test you and to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you and allowed you to hunger, allowed you to hunger and then fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, Revelation, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone. Here's Jesus, his first temptation. He's using the scripture here. But man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Your garments did not wear out, nor did your feet swell for the 40 years. You should know in your heart. You should know in your heart. Out of the abundance of heart and the mouth speaks. I'm trying to get down into the depths of your heart here. He says, and that's what you went through the wilderness for. As a man chastens his son, so the Lord chastens you. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. He speaks about the blessings of God. How many of you know, they, they wanted to change God, but they never allowed God to change them. And they never entered into the fullness of God. And in that wilderness, in that desert time, we may not know everything that is being stretched, everything that is being twisted like a rope and beaten in us and in our inner man. Because Jesus went in the strength of the Spirit for 40 days. And when we're going through these wilderness times and the enemy's trying to tempt us and we're going through all these things, how many of you know our spirit man is going to have to be strong so we can withstand what the enemy's bringing our way during that time? And every time we go through the wilderness and every time we go through these hard times, the Lord is developing the strength in our inner man. You can hear the strength of an inner man by just listening to the people. Why? Because you listen to their heart and you know how strong their inner man is. Pastor, I don't think I'm going to make it then you haven't been feeding on the Word like you've been feeding on food. You can hear the heart. And Jesus is saying, and this, this, this is so easy. Let me just tell it to you this way. He says, I tested you these 40 years and I humbled you to know what is in your heart. Because with me, says the Lord, it's about heart relationship. And if you're going to be in my company, and we're going to cross over to that land together. And you're going to get what I desire to give you. You're going to have to be of my company. 
I'm not going to be of your company. You're going to have to be of my company. If you want to have what I want to give you, you've got to be in relationship with me. So I'm going to test you. I'm going to try you. And I'll make you go around the mountain because I'm going to see how you respond and how you believe me at the waters when they're bitter. I'm going to see how you respond when I'm not, when the leader's not with you and you're by yourself and you're with some people and they're saying, come on, let's make a cast and let's have a party. I'm going to test you when the enemy comes after you. I'm going to test you when the serpents come after you. There's going to be things that are going to come around because I want to teach you to humble yourself to where you know like it was before. You can't do anything without me. And you can't change me. But what I want to do is change you. And if I can't change you, you'll never have what I've made and prepared for you before the foundation of the world. God chooses his company. He chooses the humble of heart. And that's what he's saying he's doing here in this, in this wilderness, in this desert time. And listen, ever, ever since... You know, uh, many of you, and you, you and I both know that when you're going through that wilderness time, that desert time, you know, you, how many of you ever wish you'd just hurry up? Oh, God. How much? Okay, I'll go from three teaching tapes to six teaching tapes. But Lord, if I do, will you hurry up and get it over? And God, I'll go to intercession on Tuesday night. I'll be at church on Wednesday, Sunday morning, Sunday night. I'll do everything. But will it help me hurry up and get out of the wilderness? And God is so patient. And He's not even listening. He already knows what He has to do. And we want to bribe God. And we want to change God. And we want to hurry the procession. And He says, look, I'm preparing you to be a company with me. We're going to be such a team, God in you, that you're going to know what I'm thinking before I speak it like I now know what you're thinking before you speak. I want to develop such a relationship in you that the enemy is not even going to come near you because you're being so in tune with me. How many of you know all these people who lived in the wilderness, they, would have ne- they never made it to Jericho because they wouldn't have made it through Jericho. How many of you know they would not have kept that crew would have never kept their mouth shut? They would have spoke when God says, don't speak. But he finally had some who had been humbled and broken. And renew their covenant with God so that God could do a work in them. Amen? Amen. Now, uh, in Psalms 119, verse 13, David said this, I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for your commandments. I longed for your commandments. Write down, I longed for your commandments. I was hungry for your commandments. More than food, more than pleasure. I was hungry to go grow in the Word of God. And uh, hold your place there, but look at Romans chapter 1, verse 20. Romans 1, verse 20. For since the creation of the world... His invisible attributes. Some translation says His divine attributes. Say divine attributes. What makes God God are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even His internal power and Godhead so that we are without excuse. Lord, I don't know. Lord, I can't make it through this. No, no, you don't have any excuse. What I'm wanting you to do is like David. I want you to long for me. I want you to hunger for me. 
I want you to crave me to such a degree that this in the Greek says that you just stand in awe of me. And the more you stand in awe of me, the less you'll stand in awe of the things you're facing, the things that you're discouraged about. When I become, it says that they may learn the fear of the Lord. When I become the awe of your heart, the awe of your spirit. When you long, David said, I long for you. And that's what made David so great. And, and, and we read that you shall, uh, they, they went through hunger there in the wilderness to hunger after the things of God. And it says, and God fed them with food they didn't know. Stand in awe at the divine attributes of God and learning the different characters and natures of God. And, and listen, if you're going, if you're fighting trials, if there's temptation, or, or things that you're fighting. The thing that, we, that God is wanting to bring us to, and I want to show you this. Look with me in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Let me show you this in, in the temptation. We won't go through all of them, but let me show you this. Because this is what I'm talking about here in Luke chapter 4. The lust of the flesh was bread. He will always try to deceive us or our flesh will always want to bring us to a point where we'll give in and we'll try to find uh, things to satisfy us. But it's all for the moment. It will not last. It's not long lasting. And uh, that's the lust of the flesh. But at the lust of the eyes, is this what I want you to see here in Luke 4 verse 5? Then the devil taking him up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I mean, like that. He saw all of Asia and Europe and America. He saw the islands. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you. Look at this now. And their glory. For this has been delivered to me. And I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan, for it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. The way we can overcome not only the lust of the flesh, but the lust of the eyes, where the devil, the devil got Adam and Eve with that, with that fruit of the tree, and the children of Israel in these different areas. The way we can be delivered from that, especially that lust of the eyes. Jesus was able to say this. The truth is already in my heart. I have already beheld the glory of the kingdom. Amen. So all the glory that you can show me of the world cannot compare to the truth of what I know to be the truth, which is all the glory of the kingdom of God. You see, we cannot overcome things in our mind. We cannot talk ourselves out of things enough. But if we can long and hunger for the presence of God enough, and if we can get those times where you're by yourself and you just feel like there's got to be an angel in this room. The glory of God is in this room. Or you put worship on and you're just crying and you're just worshiping God. The more we behold and stand in awe of the divineness of God, the more quickly we can say, Satan, you ain't got nothing that I want. There is no, no glory that will make me worship or bow down that thing or you. Because I've already been, I already stand, I, I stand totally in awe of my God. I have longed and I have, I have longed and desired Him with all of my heart, with all my soul. I, I would desire to spend all this time with Him. That there's no glory you can show me that outshines the glory of the Lord. That's how you overcome temptation. 
humbling and feeding on the food of God and standing in the presence of God to fill your heart to where, oh, no, Dell, you have nothing that I want. How many want to be able to tell Satan that? When the temptation comes in like a flood. When enemy comes in and all these things are pressing on you hard and it's like, I just want to give up. How many want to get to the point where you can tell the devil without thinking, I already hold these truths dear. That there's nothing that you can offer me that I want. Oh yeah, but look, Jesus, look at Paris. Uh, you're not fooling me. Because your name was Lucifer. And you know that I know the beauty of the throne of God. And you know that you can mimic the glory and beauty the best you can here on this earth. But you know you yourself. The one thing you desired was the throne of God and you got through out of it. The little temptation, Satan, is not going to rob me of my destiny. Because, Satan, I have heard the angels sing. And I have seen the beauty and the glory of God. And you're, try, you're, you're trying to knock me out so I don't get to my destiny. But guess what? I've done been there. I've done been to the throne of God. I've done worship at His feet. I've done seen what He did for me at the cross. And I've done seen the empty tomb and the power of His resurrection. So, devil, there is nothing that you call beautiful that compares to the beauty that you know, that I know, is the true beauty. And that's the beauty and the glory of God. Now, now listen. Very few have that. Very few of us have got into that level where the immediate response is, oh no, no, no. There's nothing glorious in that that I want to see. It takes time. And it takes going through dry seasons and it takes going through wilderness and it takes going through valleys to get to that point where our heart and our inner man is going through all these things so that we be strengthened so that our immediate response is get behind me, Satan, and take all your, take all your ugliness and your stupidity and take all your filth with you because what you say is glory, heaven calls filth. And you take it and you get behind me, Satan, in the name of Jesus, because Jesus outshines them all. That's where we've got to get. That's where we're going. Amen. To hunger and get into that presence of God. This is what David said in Psalms 27, 4. To behold the beauty. To behold the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire in his temple. David's saying, that is my focus, that is my desire, to see the beauty of God. He sought the beauty of God. He sought the beauty of God. Listen, listen, it's just not going to come. We have to seek it. You came back tonight. You're seeking something. <laughs> you are here tonight. This would be an awesome night. This morning, I was like you. I didn't want to get out of bed. And God woke me up before the alarm clock. I don't like that. And it was cloudy and cool and nice. And I did not want to get out of bed. And I know you didn't, but you were here. And you come back tonight. Are you people crazy? No, we're hungry. We're seeking something. We're seeking something. 
I'm seeking the beauty of God. I'm inquiring of the beauty of God. Woo! That's my desire. He sought God's beauty. Let me just take you on a little trip here. Look at Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. I told you there's a resurrection of the book of Proverbs. Be sure you're reading it. But in Proverbs chapter 2 verse 1. David said, I longed, in Psalms 119.13, in Psalms 27, he said, Lord, to inquire of your temple, to behold your beauty, my focus. Look what it says here, my son. See, he's trying to teach his son, son, you, I want to tell you the pathway to life. If you receive my words and treasure my commands within, within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Verse 3, church. Yes! If you cry out, if you cry for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, Lord, I cry out for discernment. Lord, I desire discernment and understanding. I cry out for it. Lord, I'm going through this situation. I'm going through this relationship. I'm going through this trial. I I, I don't feel your presence, but yet I know like Job, your left hand is teaching me. And though I do not comprehend it yet, Lord, I keep seeking you and I'm desiring you. So Father, I praise you for discernment. I praise you for understanding. And Lord, with all my soul, I cry out for it. Lord, Lord, I, I desire to have the vision. I desire to know what I'm supposed to be passionate about. I desire to know what I was apprehended for so that I can apprehend it passionately and run with it. Lord, I cry for discernment. And it says in verse 4, If you seek her, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, if you're willing to wait on God like you're willing to wait for the teller of the bank to cash your check, because it's that important to you, then you will understand the awe of God and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom and from His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. And He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and He preserves the way of His saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity in every good path. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, Discretion will preserve you and understanding will keep you and deliver you from the way of evil. There's Luke chapter 4, temptation of Jesus. From the man who speaks perverse things, from Satan himself, from those who leave the paths of unrighteousness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil, who delight in the perversity of the wicked. And it goes on about the ways that, that are crooked. And then it goes on to say, and you will not be the companion of fools, but hallelujah, you will be the companion of God. And that's what we were talking about at the beginning. Look at Hebrews 11, verse 6. Hebrews 11, verse 6. Cry out for it. Desire it. You know the Scripture, but you can see here in Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Look what it says here now, and you know this. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a what? Rewarder of those who what? Those who what? Diligently seek Him. I tell you, I could give everybody a prophetic word right now. What's my word? Diligence in the seeking of the Master. Why? Sometimes, listen. Why always do it the easy way and miss out on the trip of walking through the wilderness with Jesus? 
I want to know it all. Give it all to me now and miss out on walking with the Master. It may be the hard way, but it's the eternal way. That He doesn't tell us everything, but if we search for it, like He said in Proverbs, that over the time as we diligently search for it and we want it. And listen, there's so many today, we don't want it enough. But you know what? If, we, if, if there are people in their attics right now waiting to be rescued because the water's so high there that they can't get out. If we want the Word of the Lord like they want to get out of their attic, but they can't by themselves, and they have to be rescued... If we want it that bad, can you imagine what level we all, all, each one will grow to? Lord, only your word can rescue this out of my life. So I've got to diligently seek you and cry out for this word to come and give me focus. Now look, you know this one, look at Psalms chapter 1. Psalms chapter 1. Psalms chapter 1. He's wanting us to be so consumed with Him as David was. Psalms chapter 1 verse 1. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the paths of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Because we know the answer is not there. Verse 2. But his what? His what? His delight. His passion. The message says his thrill. Is the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day, not just in the morning, devotional, day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in his season and whose leaves shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. Amen. Amen. The price, the real truth to see the glory of the Lord. Now, just to quickly give it to you there in Luke chapter 4, it says, Then the enemy came and brought him a third time to the top of the temple and stood him up there and tried tempting him. It says, If you be the Son of God, throw yourself down. The third temptation was the pride of life, or in other words, testing his identity. If I can't get you through the lust of the flesh or the lust of the eyes, I'll try to get you through the pride of life, that you will get out of humility or you will get out of servanthood and you will try to, to show who you are And destroy your destiny. If you truly are the Son of God, He was questioning His identity. When we have gone through the wilderness and we have been sacrificed in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, our identity becomes more and more in Him because we stand more and more in all of Him. So the enemy comes in, he tries to challenge our identity. There's no challenging there. I'm not a murderer, I'm not a liar, I'm not an adulterer, I'm not a thief. I'm a son of the Most High Living God. And I do not have to do anything to prove myself to you. The Father already knows my heart. It's already settled in heaven and it's already settled in my heart. You see where it was there? So you learn to depend upon the power of God. Now quickly, I want to just give you some reasons that we go in, into the, in the wilderness. And I'm just going to give you a few of these. First of all, I've done shared it with you and it was in Luke chapter 4 verse 1. Many times we are led in the wilderness. It's an appointment with God. It's not necessarily the place I would choose to be. It's not necessarily the position I would choose to be. But it's a place where we can get to know Him like we've never known Him before. Even sometimes, a doctor's report will cause me to have an encounter with God that I wouldn't have had any other way. 
And it's not nothing against my faith. It's an appointment of a wilderness time I may be going through. I went through malaria. And, and I, don't, I don't see why I had to go through malaria. But I know that during that time, in the time my eardrum busted and these other different things I went through, and praise God I haven't had an attack of malaria in over 15 or something years, and you don't get rid of that, but with God you do. And what we went through with Brandon... Those few years. That, that wasn't fair. That wasn't right. It was very difficult. It was very hard. But do you know that time that we went through that with Brandon, especially my wife in those times of the battle? Do you know the times God spoke to me? It's some of the most precious times in my life. In the natural, I wept over my son. But in the spiritual, the voice of God was more real in that time than, than, than now when everything's great and normal. And he came out of it, and we came out of it. And we came out of that wilderness with an autistic son. We came out of that wilderness totally different. Different people. More compassionate, more hungry, and more solid that all things are possible with our God. And in Argentina, I talked on the phone a few times with them this week because I was telling them that the Lord told us not to go. We're not, we're not going on this trip this year. And I told them that, and they, were, they always want to know about Brandon. And I said, oh, I, I said, maybe what we need to do is maybe we need to take all the kids because you've got to see him now because this man I was talking to, his wife taught our child when he was about five. Kindergarten. kindergarten. And she remembers when Brandon would try to run head head into the wall and she would grab him before he would sit the center blocks. And I have it on video where she would try to interpret because he had his own type of language. And I said, boy, if you'd see the young man he's grown into. And playing that guitar like Corbin who's teaching him. And all the different things. He's not the same. Now that was a wilderness you don't wish on no one. And at the time, you're saying, why God? But when you come out of the wilderness, there's a stronger link in the anchor that holds no matter what you go through. And that's what it's talking about. Sometimes we're led by the Spirit during an appointed time, a time to self-sacrifice. And this is called embracing voluntary weaknesses. Embracing voluntary weaknesses, which is most of the time fasting something, giving it up. And you can look this up in Exodus 34. And we won't go there. There's no time. But please look this up. Exodus 34. 28 through 29, when out of our own will, we, we grab hold of, of a time of weakness, a, a time to set apart because the enemy came to uh, deceive and tempt Jesus when he was weak because of the time of fasting. And sometimes we go through weak times so that we can show that in our weakness he is strong and we can have it proven to us. Then right now, 1 Samuel 22, 1, this is another thing about the wilderness. In 1 Samuel 22, 1, Sometimes, because of the enemy or circumstances, we are pushed into the wilderness. It says that David fled to the cave of Adullam there in 1 Samuel 22.1. He fled. He was running from Saul. He ran from Saul for 19 years. Now, for a man anointed by the prophet Samuel, it just did not seem right that he should be running from, from this wicked king. But he had to flee before the enemy. But fleeing before the enemy, fleeing before situations, ended up turning around for his good. And he turned into the... He, he had to go through the cave of Adullam to meet the 300 distressed and desperation so that he can learn to turn 300 into warriors of God before he had all the kingdom of Israel turned into priests and kings of God. 
Sometimes, sometimes we are pushed into circumstances that are beyond our own natural way. There may be people here. You had to leave New Orleans because uh, of Katrina back then. Or, or you're wondering, what am I doing here? You find yourself here today and your life is different. Your, 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 your uh, home life is different. Your job is different. And you're thinking, look what the enemy has done. But God can say, wait a minute, i got, I got a plan in all of this. What you call defeat in the end, I call my resurrection. And I call an empowerment to you. And it's really not that you were... Fleeing from circumstances, their enemy. I was drawing you into a place to teach you how to be total dependent upon me. And then also in Luke 5, 16, you read about Jesus would go into a place. Sometimes we just, listen now, sometimes we just need to be alone. Solitude. Say that with me, solitude. Nobody, most people don't want that. Jesus, out of his own heart, would separate and get along and speak to his father. A lot of times we don't want the solitude. We want to always be around people. Or we always want someone encouraging us. And sometimes it, it, Jesus would separate himself for days from the multitude. To get into a place of solitude. To get along with God. Because sometimes we just got to get along with God to hear God. And that's part of that wilderness experience. Also, write down Numbers 14, 33 through 34. We won't go there, but Numbers 14, 33 through 34. This is called a timeout scenario. Or in other words, when I go into the wilderness, it's a time many times where I go in the wilderness to judge myself. Judge my heart. Judge my motives. Judge my life. The wilderness is a place. You see, he brought them to humble them. And he wanted to, sh- he wanted to show the children of Israel their heart. But they were too prideful. And they didn't want to see their own heart. But when I go into times of wilderness and I'm going through a dry spell. And you know, when you go through a dry spell, I rem- that's why uh, in the denomination I was raised in, you could go rededicate yourself every week. Because every time you go through a dry spell, you try to rededicate yourself. But since it didn't work, you go back and you go back and you go back. But then you finally get to a place where I grew up and you start realizing, wait a minute, this dry spell is just to see how thirsty and hungry I get back after God. And when I get into a place of solitude, I get a time alone and I'm able to start judging myself because the word says we need to judge ourselves so we will not be judged. And so a lot of times that's what I do on Mondays. Because I may go through some things on Sunday or I may go through some things on Saturday or, or uh, Wednesdays. I'll stay home and I'll fast and pray for Wednesday night. I, I, I'm, I'm not only fasting and praying, but I'm also spending some time because I need some time to judge my heart. There's some, sometimes there's something wrong. Sometimes there, there's some things I need to deal with. So that time of uh, solitude and that time I get along with God is to help ju- that I can judge myself and have a timeout scenario. That book I showed you all this morning, it talked about uh, this man who confronted President Clinton uh, when he uh, did his thing. And he says, we need to impeach him, not necessarily, though, for what he did. But the real reason we need to impeach him is because of lying under oath. And a little boy, a five-year-old boy, wrote this congressman a letter. And he says, I know what to do with the president. Make him have time out. And he wrote this whole letter about how the president needed time out because he had messed up. That's what Clinton needed. Time out. Well, how many know we all sometimes need time out? And that's what that fasting prayer and that going to that wilderness time is. Now, what are some of the characteristics of the wilderness? And you can write this down. It's also in 1 Samuel 22, 1, to hide ourselves. Sometimes we need to be hidden. 
Sometimes we need to hide ourselves uh, from uh, people and sometimes we need to hide ourselves uh, from the enemy to just to hide under the covering of God and that's part of the wilderness to be hidden for Him. Elijah. It says all of a sudden, it didn't say who Elijah's mom and daddy was. It didn't say anything. It just says all of a sudden, this man of God came out of the wilderness preaching to Ahab and all of them about the sin of Jezebel. He was hidden until his time came. Jesus was hidden until his time came. Sometimes we will be hidden and we wonder. And you find this a lot among people who are called to ministry. And when you get a word, you're called to ministry. When is God going to use me? When is the pastor going to use me? When am I going to be able to preach behind the pulpit? When am I going to... I'm, I was prophesied I'm going to be an evangelist. When am I going to be able to start being an evangelist? And the Lord says, Until you learn to enjoy the times of being hidden in me, I will not expose you. The time of being hidden in God is preparing you to be the potential He's called you to be. But that's the hardest time for us to rest and relax in Him. Also, 1 Kings 19.9, the wilderness is a place of loneliness. Loneliness. And I'm going to preach a message. I don't know when, but I'm going to preach on loneliness pretty soon. And you know what? Let me share something with you. Because I know it, it, it's, a, it's a dreadful thing, but sometimes loneliness is a blessing in disguise. Because if you can turn that loneliness into a desire and a craving for God, to where God pleases you. But you don't end up running into another or needing another relationship to try to fill that void. Sometimes we need to practice loneliness. Or so you don't have to practice. Sometimes it's just there. <laughs> sometimes, you know, for, especially for singles, bless their hearts, that people have gone through things. Sometimes we need that time of loneliness. Because you know what? Sometimes, listen, that's when, if you listen to these great anointed men and women, that's when the greatest songs are written in time of loneliness. You know, nobody's inviting us over for supper. Nobody's calling us. Nobody's checking on us. Lord, I feel so lonely. And the Lord says, well, won't you get a pen and paper out? Let's write a song. And it's not going to be, I'm so lonesome I can cry. (laughs) Sometimes the loneliness of the wilderness is preparing us and preparing that one to come in contact with us. Listen to this, Exodus 17.1. Sometimes the wilderness will be the, listen, the lack of things. Lack of finances can be a wilderness. Lack of friends. Lack of direction. Lack of work. And we're going, oh my God, what is going on? What is happening to my life? There seems to be such a lack. And listen, this hurricane's brought a lack of resources and conveniences. Oh man, what am I going to do? I don't have any resources. I don't have any conveniences. I don't have any comfort. That's the wilderness where he's teaching you that he becomes everything. And that's what he's trying to get America back to right now, is that he becomes everything. It's not the car, it's not the position, it's not the house, it's him. He becomes everything. Lord, as long as I can just love and sense your presence. And then also the wilderness is a place where we lack familiar signposts. When we lack the familiar signposts. I've never been here before. I've never felt this way before. I've never experienced this before. It's also a place of Lack of natural strength to rely upon. Lord, I can't do it. He says, okay, pray for my grace so that you can do it. And then the wilderness sometimes is a lack of activities. Lack of, lack of activities. You know, it, thank God for the ministries we have. But sometimes the church 
gets so full of activities that the church is not full of mature disciples. Because we're not happy unless we're doing things, going out, having fun, playing cards, playing bingo, playing bowl, whatever we're going to do, going to Sam's eating hot dogs. Those things are good, and thank God for them, and thank God for every ministry that we have. But sometimes we want to fill our lives up with activities instead of spending time alone with God. Because when I'm alone, why do people say, when I'm alone, I know I'm going to mess up. When I'm alone, I know I'm going to sin. When I'm alone, I know I'm going to get depressed. When I'm alone, I know I'm going to want that drink. So let me get into all the activities of the church. I'm, I'm, I'm making fun of this, but let's get the singles, let's get the couples, and let's, <laughs> let's get the young at heart. Let's get them all together because the more we have, the more. And, and that, that's all good, but it's got its place. What we've got to make sure is that we're being faithful, whoever we are, married, single, young, no matter, young at heart, no matter what. We've got to make sure that our main focus is that I am spending the time with God and He is my desire. I desire going to the young at heart. But I better desire being with God more. I desire getting with the Christian couples and having a good time. Oh, I desire that. But I desire every day having time with my Father. So we long for that. We desire that. And sometimes that means a lack of activity. Why? Because the wilderness is an environment where God is uh, dealing with us and growing us and maturing us. Psalms 84 says, Verse 4 and 7, I'll read it to you. 5 and 7 says, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on a pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca or weeping, they make a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength, and each one appears before God in Zion. So what happens in the wilderness? God, listen, God, you, you say, I'm going through a hard time. I'm going through a time where I don't understand what's happening in my life. I'm depressed. Listen, listen. Let me encourage you about the wilderness. The wilderness and the valley is the developing of your history. If you don't have a history, you won't have a future. The liberalists are trying to steal our history about the forefathers so that our young people don't have a future. Because you can't believe that back there. If you and I don't have a history of going through these things I mentioned to you, if we don't have a history with God in the environment of the wilderness, we'll never have a future to face the enemy. The children of the wilderness did not possess the promise because they did not build a personal history with God. Only Joshua, Caleb, and Moses did. Mm. They could not possess and destroy the enemies because they didn't have a history with God in other circumstances that they went through. Every time they faced an enemy, they cried and they failed. So how am I going to make you face the big boys until you conquer the little boys? So you wonder, what is going on in my life? Why but my job, the finances? Why is everything such a mess? Because I'm making a history. How many people have told us, I would, Sister Cindy, I would love to have stories like y'all. She says, well, you have to live where we lived and go through what we went through to have the stories that we had. We've got history because we had to live there. And it's in those histories where I learned where I failed time and time again. But there's places where I learned where he came true time and time again. 
So you're going through these wilderness and you're going through these trials and you're going through things with family, you're going through things with friends, and you're going through things and you don't know how you're going to live and you're going to support. Hey, be of good courage. He's building a history with you. You're traveling together on the road of life. Luke 180 says, John the Baptist grew strong in his spirit in the desert until, say until, until the day of his manifestation. Until the day of his manifestation. You know, I was hidden in Belize. I was hidden in Honduras. I was hidden in Mexico. I was hidden in Santa Fe, Argentina. Huhui, Argentina. I was hidden in those places. Do you know I'm hidden now again in Pineville? I'm going through another time of hiding till there become another time of manifestation of whatever God wants to do. And he's doing the same thing with you. We're all on a pilgrimage. We're all on a trip. We are all building history. To go to the another next level where God wants Amen. us to go. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So if you pulled your hair out yesterday and you said, I messed up and I made a mistake. No, you're making history, baby. But it wasn't very good. Yeah, but you're still here today. As long as you're alive, you're making history. Even the bad is still good because what was seemed bad at that time is the strength for you tomorrow. Because he said he will perfect that which has to do with you. Also in the wilderness, according to 2 Corinthians 3.18, we learn to fix our gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, a focused life. The wilderness teaches us to be a focused life. The children in the desert died because they could never focus on the promise. They just focused on their bellies. They could never. Jesus, Jesus would have messed up if he would have stayed. If he would have been focused on his belly, he would have turned the stone to bread. But since he was focused on the glory of God, he resisted the temptation. And he said, all I need is the word of God. Woo, come on, this is good preaching. This is good. This is life. This is victory. This is truth. When your belly is your God, you'll serve yourself. And that's what it's saying here. It's fixing our gaze and it's having a focused life. Luke 4, 2 through 13, it talks about, then we, in the history of going through the wilderness, we'll be victorious in spiritual warfare. We'll be victorious in spiritual warfare, casting out spirits, uh, battling the principalities and powers and so forth and so on. Going through the wilderness will teach us sensitivity to recognize the purposes and the opportune times, uh, the Shekinah times, the glory times, the appointed hours of God for our lives. And also going through the wilderness, we're learning to lay hold on what Christ has laid hold of us. In other words, Philippians 3.12. It's in the wilderness. I learned to abandon some things. It's in the wilderness. I learned. I left Egypt. I left the garlics. I left the onions. I left the goat calf. I left Egypt behind me. I'm not looking back there again. I abandon Egypt because I want the promised land. And every step of the way, when things would come, I had, they, they needed to abandon it, but they kept holding on to it. And they kept walking towards the promised land, looking back. And all they did was going around in a circle. The reason we may not be advancing in some areas of our life is maybe we're not focused on the future and we don't want to abandon the past. But tonight we abandon the past to focus on our future. Amen. Did this make any sense to you? Hallelujah. Maybe I just needed it. And thank you all for sticking with me. James 121. Lay aside all filthiness. 
And receive with meekness the implanted, the implanted word which is able to save your soul. And that word implanted means the position in place and time. The implanted means relation to rest. That once I give myself wholly and inwardly and outwardly to God, He fulfills and sustains me. Hallelujah. Let's stand.